Good evening. Thank you so much. Uh, David, thank you so much for offering to have us in. Uh, when Dan first visited with me about the opportunity to come and visit with you folks this evening, I was very grateful. And I think that um, just a little bit about who I am, just a quick overview. I am from Kansas City. And what I do now is I get to go out into the community and help educate families on funeral and cemetery arrangements and cremation. Who in this room tonight, when you woke up this morning, you thought, oh, I can't wait to go talk about funeral plans tonight? <laughs> Nobody, right? It is a tough topic. I actually graduated from the Central, Central Missouri State University, and I started out in education. And now, I actually thought I would be a kindergarten teacher. I'm teaching something much different now, but very, very important. Very, very important. So, I don't want to, to delay the evening, but let me show you a little bit about what we're going to talk about. We're here tonight. Who we're actually representing is West Lawn Hillcrest. But what we're talking about touches every single one of us in this room. So regardless of what funeral home you choose, whatever cemetery you've chosen, this information covers everybody. So feel free to ask any questions along the way. Um, trivia. I've got some interesting trivia questions that we're going to throw out there. doesn't have anything to do with funeral plans or cemetery arrangements, so everybody has free reign on this. We're going to talk about why families pre-plan. And what does that mean? When somebody says, I've got everything taken care of, what does that mean when they have everything taken care of? And we're going to talk about the benefits of having it planned. We've only got about 20 to 30 minutes, so it's going to be a pretty high-level overview. There will be questions at the end for questions, but if you're like me and you wait till the end and you think you might forget, don't hesitate. At any time, feel free to raise your hand. I am just kind of one of those open speakers. It doesn't bother me a bit. And we do have a door prize. So uh, we did talk about that when Dan was greeting you. I hope that he told you all we do have a door prize. So we do like to keep it a little lighthearted. So let's start with that first trivia question. The first thing, let's think about gas prices right now. Kind of daunting. I saw automatically eyes went, <gasps> what does this have to do? with funeral planning. Kind of daunting. Let's not think about current gas prices. Let's go back 10 years ago and think about what the average cost of a gallon of gas was 10 years ago. Raise your hand so instead of everybody hollering out an answer to me, just raise your hand and the one that gets closest will get my gift card. And I've got a $10 quick trip card. I saw your hand first, sir. $1.68. $1.29. $1.29. Right back. Two fifty. You said a dollar twenty nine. Okay. Dollar eighty three. Any other guesses? All right. Dollar twenty nine. Right in the front. You were super close. It was actually a dollar thirty seven here in the Midwest, but the national or it was probably about a dollar twenty nine. The national average was about dollar thirty seven at that time, and we were complaining about it back then too. Do you remember? Oh, we were just all sorts. And, you know, we think about that. Gas prices are the easy target right now. 
because everything continues to go up. Going to Hy-Vee and getting a, a dozen eggs and a gallon of milk and, and a loaf of bread costs us twice what it did 10 years ago, too. So um, as we know, things just continue to rise. I've got one more real quick. Let's think about long-term health care real quick. And not necessarily nursing home care, per se, but let's think about all types of long-term health care. It may be in-home care. Uh, it could be uh, specialized care in the home, too. What percentage of Americans do you think will need some sort of long-term health care one day? Any guesses on a percent? Nobody? Right here. 50%, okay. Did you have a guess? I'd say 60%. 60%, okay. 75? And you were going to say that too? Any others? 80? All right. Everybody get a chance to guess? You were closest. Right back here, it was 70% of us, actually. There you go. You're very welcome. You know, that's an exciting number and kind of a scary number all at the same time. That means 7 out of 10 of us in this room at some point will need that, and we need to prepare for that and make sure our families are ready for that too. But the good thing is is the reason why that's happening is we're living a lot longer than our, our grandparents and our parents did. So um, we're kind of outliving our means sometimes too because we're retiring and we're having more years for that retirement. We're going to talk real quick about major things in our lives that we plan for. We plan for retirement. We plan for graduations. We plan for weddings. Does anybody have a daughter in the room? I have a daughter. My daughter's 15. Yes, a lot of us do. Imagine, just for a second, if your daughter isn't already married. My daughter is not married yet. Thank you. Not yet, please, Lord. <laughs> Let's think about that just for one second. If your daughter comes to you and, and she says, Mom, guess what? I'm getting married. And you approve. This gentleman's lovely to her. And they're so excited that it happens to be Sunday. It's today. And she says, but we want to get married on Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday? Why on earth would you want to do it on Wednesday? And she said, yes, and I'm going to be very busy over the next few days, so I'm going to need you to arrange it and get the flowers and get my dress, make sure the invitations go out, um, got to have music and listing all of these things. And what would you tell her? Give her an address to the courthouse? <laughs> yeah, reality check, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to go to the courthouse. And I, may, I, I bring the, that up for, for a real purpose. When you're thinking about planning a wedding and you're thinking about planning a funeral, that's really two incredibly different emotions that are involved, but there's just as much planning. There's just as much preparation. There are just as many details that go into one service, whether or not you're thinking cremation, whether or not you're thinking traditional services. There's so much that has to be taken care of for us on our behalf. Uh, let's think real quick, kind of a timeline of events. We all go through different stages in our life. We start out and, and get married and buy a home and start a family. Maybe you change a career a time or two along the way. And you think about 
retirement very, very seriously in your 30s and 40s, if you haven't already begun that plan, you decide this is something we need to think about. Does anybody in the room, just quick show of hands, does anybody have long-term health care insurance? Okay, a few of you do. Pretty common. I normally see a few hands go up, but not 70% of us in our hands going up. And then we see funeral right here at the end. Obviously, we know that's when our timeline will end. But the reality is we don't know when that funeral is going to play a part in that timeline. Unfortunately, Dan and I see families that have this occur before they've had a chance to start retirement. Sometimes it's right after retirement. Sometimes they've just started a family. So it's never too early to plan for that. Does anybody in the room already have their cemetery arrangements? Do you already know where your spaces are? Okay, quite a few of you. Good, 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 good. Does anybody have their, their services taken care of, your funeral plans and your cremation? You've got it all taken care of. Good for you. The reason why, real quick, I'm going to point out why I asked those two separately. A lot of families do not realize that a lot of funeral homes and cemeteries are not necessarily connected as one unit, per se. Um, at Westlawn, we are actually a combination location, and what that means is that it's the funeral home along with the cemetery. Now, many times, families have spaces out in a garden that might be in a country cemetery out with a family lot, and you'll still have the funeral home in which the they would be the ones that hold your service, would coordinate that with your cemetery, whether or not that's on the same site or on a private cemetery on a different site. Does that make sense? Yes. So, so you really have two things to have to plan, two things to consider. Are the actual services themselves, and then where's your final resting place going to be? Okay. Let's talk about that. When we pass away, there's really two different scenarios that our families or ourselves can go through. Sadly, I know this might be a little, little far away for you to see, but in both instances, uh, Dan works with families every day in the funeral home. And he meets with them in an either an at-need basis or a pre-need basis. And what an at-need basis is, is someone has passed away. And before they passed away, they did not get a chance to pre-plan. So what that means is it's based on whatever the prices are for those services on that given day and the prices for the cemetery arrangements. And ultimately, it is that there are survivors that are planning out those plans. Now, we all know We've, we've joked around about it. Who in the room, I'm sure a few of us can shake our heads to this. We've all heard somebody say, oh, I don't know. I don't care what you do with me. Just throw me in a pine box and stick me out in the field. Right? I heard you guys talking about it up here. Uh -huh. 
Well, not exactly. But I think when somebody says that, what they mean is, I don't want to be a burden to my family. I don't want them to go overboard. I don't want them to spend too much money. And I just don't want to make a big to-do of things, okay? But ultimately, your survivors, your loved ones are going to come in, and they're going to tell the funeral home. They're going to sit down with the arranger and tell them, well, Daddy wanted a pine box, That's all he wanted was the pine box. Well, they don't call it a pine box anymore. They call it a pine casket. And what that is, it's a lot more expensive than most people think. It's not the least expensive. So if that's really what dad was wanting was something more economical, a lot of times that's what happens. The emotions come into play, and they know they can't just throw dad out in the field. So they're forced to walk around the cemetery Um, and pick out a final resting place, and by far, probably one of the hardest steps. Um, Quick show of hands, I'm not going to put anybody on the spot, but who in here has had to make arrangements for a loved one before? Wow, a lot of you. That probably explains why you're here tonight. That really is. A pre-need basis. This is obviously more ideal because you're still here. You have not passed away yet. The financial advantage to that is it is today's prices. You lock in today's prices for everybody in the room. When you got your cemetery spaces taken care of, whatever the cost was on that given day is the cost for those spaces. They are frozen. That never goes up. Now, same for the services. Too bad we can't do that on gas prices. I would have wished there was a program we could have all signed up for 10 years ago for gas prices. But it is the one thing that we can actually freeze the price on. Most funeral homes, too, in a pre-need basis, we also have the opportunity to be able to help a family and set it up on a payment plan. Most of us choose that because rather than taking out a financial plan or something along those lines to to pay it off completely, it's easier just to kind of look at it as a small monthly payment for a few years, have the price frozen, and be able to have that option. In an at-need situation, unfortunately, funeral homes aren't able to give families that option because it has to be financially paid for before the services can be held. So that can be a true burden. Even if there are life insurance policies in place, a lot of policies, most policies are actually not assignable to a funeral home. It's kind of... I'm not going to get into that. We'll spend an hour talking about that. And that's a whole nother subject. If you'd like for me to come back another night, feel free to ask me back. And ultimately, you're the decision maker. I'm going to tell you a real quick story. I met a gal. Um, I was meeting with her, helping her make all of her arrangements. When I first began in this business, I, too, was also a family service counselor. And Mary um, was not married, but she had children. And... Um, We made all of her arrangements and going through the final final process of walking through the cemetery, and she wanted to pick out her space. And the cemetery that I was working at at the time had a pretty major street that ran right along the edge of it. And as we're walking into the garden, she's just walking, making a beeline straight towards the street. And I'm thinking... Where's she going? Why is she going right towards the street? And she kind of does this with her hands and says, Jennifer, are any of these spaces available out here? And I got to flipping through my map guide, and I said, well, 
sure, those are spaces and they're, they're available, but do you mind me asking, why are you looking at this spot? And she looked at me and she said, well, my family, we've lived here just in the neighborhood, right beyond here, about a mile away. All my friends, family, neighbors, they drive up and down this street every day. I want them just to be able to honk and wave at me when they go by so they don't even have to get out. And it made me laugh, and I just love that story because it just shows us we truly make our decisions. Whether you want to be by the street where people can honk at you, you might want, that might not be ideal for you. But the, the, the truth of the matter is is that you truly pick it out so that your family knows that your wishes are being honored how you wanted them done. Now let's talk real quick. Inside the information packet I passed out, you will find a little prearrangement booklet. Kind of has this flowers on the front. And if you look back to page three, you're going to see this big, huge, long list of things, 124 of them that have to be taken care of for you. For all of us, when we pass away, this is everything that's left for our loved ones to take care of. The good thing is the majority of it we can do for them. It can be ready for them. And what that means, when you pre-plan, you can write down everything as detailed as, I see many of you in the room tonight are wearing glasses. One of the hardest questions that a director asks a family and they have a tough time trying to determine, do you want the glasses on during your service or not? It's a very hard question. But it's something that you can determine really quickly. What are some of your favorite Bible verses? What are some of your favorite songs? What's your favorite flower? Some families get as detailed as writing out their own obituary. So there's really, you can't pre-plan too much, but it is always a good idea. One of the things we didn't bring along with us tonight, we just simply didn't have enough time, but I did promise David that everybody in the room gets one of our, um, it's a simplicity planner. It's actually a 29-page booklet. You'll be able to put all of your information all in one spot. So everything that you've been compiling for the past few weeks, along with the weeks to come, uh, you'll be able to put all of that in there so that you can have your insurance, your financial, your wills, trust, deeds, any information financially that they'll need. Um, for all of you that raised your hand telling me that, yes, I have had to make arrangements, you know, one of the hardest things is once the services are all done, then the weeks and weeks of truly closing out someone's life. And I think a lot of times that's the step that families forget, is that how do we do that? What is your password to your computer? Something as simple as that will drive our loved ones crazy trying to figure these answers out. If you have a safety deposit box, where's the key? Who else is on that? There's a lot of details that we can give them and have it all written down in one spot. So I do urge you to take the time to help them and have that planned out.
Let's talk real quick about why families... Um, I'm going to not touch base on insurance tonight. We don't just simply don't have the time for it. But let's talk about why families do pre-plan. When we first started this program, um, as David mentioned, I'm a regional coordinator, so I'm very lucky. I get to travel around Nebraska and Missouri and Kansas, um, also up into Wisconsin. Not looking forward to that this winter. But um, it gets cold enough right here in our own little area. But uh, it, I'm very blessed and and one of the things that we wanted to do was share with everybody why do families pre-plan what are they telling us about six out of ten families do choose to pre-plan and have things taken care of or I should say get a chance to I'm sure there are many more that had it on their to-do list in life that just simply didn't get a chance to do it yet. But the number one reason that people tell us all the time is we did it because we wanted it tailored the way that we wanted it. We wanted to make sure that uh, we picked out our final resting place, that we had our type of memorialization done. I was listening, uh, not necessarily on purpose, overhearing conversations as we were walking in. But I heard someone mention that they would like to have a memorial service and you would like to just have something nice and and happy. And one of the things that most of us don't know, I know for me as a kid growing up, services were very much the same over and over. Sad, same songs many times, a lot of the same Bible verses didn't really tell us a whole lot about someone's life. Now, that's really what has changed. It's become something more of a memorial, more of a celebration of life. We see more and more families really embracing that and wanting to celebrate what someone has done, putting together the videos and the pictures. That's one thing that's wonderful to have in a spot is have a box of those old pictures all put together that's easy for your family to find, some of, the, some of your favorites, some of their favorites that you can share along. Uh, the second reason that they tell us, and I really think these two go hand in hand, is we, we're pretty opinionated and we want it done the way we want it done, but I think, too, we don't want our families to ultimately have to do that. We don't want to leave that on our best friend in life to have to do if we happen to be the first one that goes. Um, I will tell you, uh, sadly, ladies in the room and gentlemen in the room, 70% of the time it's the men that do pass away sooner. So a lot of times that is leaving their loved ones, their wives to take care of that. Or, you know, there are those instances where both happen to go at the same time, and then it's the children that are left to make those decisions too. But I think ultimately being able to eliminate that future potential for the emotional overspending is wonderful. That's one thing that Nebraska has that most states do not have. There's only one, there's only four states in the country that do not allow for a funeral home to change somebody's arrangements. If you have pre-plans by law, they cannot change those arrangements. They can't say, you wanted to be cremated, but your loved ones are having a hard decision with that. We have to honor your wishes for what you wanted them to be. And the families will honor them too. 
Uh, but that is a, that's one thing. That's the good thing is they can't come in and say, oh, I don't like the casket mom picked out. That's not nice enough. She needs the presidential mahogany. Not going to happen. So that's a really good thing to be able to eliminate that. The third thing is your money. You're able to determine how you'd like to pay for that. Some families don't like the idea of making a monthly payment. They'd like to just take it, take care of it and get rid of it completely. Some families don't, don't choose to pre-fund at all. And that's okay too. That's your prerogative. But do please plan it all out. You can take the time to plan out all of those details, to have everything in place, regardless if you pre-fund it. It's key to pre-plan it so that when the day comes, they do at least know what your wishes are and how to proceed with the financial side of things and, and all of the uh, notifications that will need to be made. Fourth is, um, this kind of talks a little bit about the funeral homes in general. Most of the time, as we know, there goes a lot of training into most professions. There's a lot of training that ours is very much continuing and ever-changing. You wouldn't think that the funeral and cremation world would change all that much, but there really are a lot of different things that change from time to time. One thing I will tell you that you might be surprised to know, just a quick show of hands, is anybody in the room thinking about cremation? Okay, one person. Let me just tell everybody a little bit high-level overview about cremation. One thing that's important to know is whatever funeral home that you do choose, look to make sure, or if you have a loved one that is looking to do their pre-plans, make sure that they know this. Choose a funeral home that owns and operates their own crematory. Not all funeral homes do. A lot of times that is uh, maybe a third-party source that they are having a different service come in and actually hold that, that part of it and take care of that service. So do work with a funeral home that once you come into their care, you never leave their care. That is important. One of the things that's important is that most funeral homes are also part of a huge nationwide, it's actually an international organization. About 90% of all funeral homes and cemeteries are part of a, if you want to jot these five letters down and do a little Google search on this, it's very interesting. The ICCFA. And what that stands for is International Cemetery Cremation Funeral Association. And all of us that are part of this association, we have a lot of different things in common. The good thing to us as consumers is that we're a much more transit society now than our parents and our grandparents were. So what that means is if you choose to move one day, you can also transfer your services and transfer your cemetery spaces along with those other sister firms per se is really kind of the best way for me to describe that. Yes? We've had funds for 30, 35 years. A lot more than they were 35 years ago. Say I moved to California. That's a great question. Dan, do you know the answer to that? If you were part of the store corporation, 
Right. Right. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay, but when you, when you did move, yeah. you would go out and find a cemetery that you would like to go to and just ask them. If they are not, we still work with them with the organization mm -hmm. she's talking about that we, both companies need a little bit of money. You probably won't have to spend anything. It basically would transfer like for like. So if perhaps you were wanting to do something different than what you originally had, then there would be a difference probably at that point. And normally the families that we work with at West Lawn, uh, when we have a family that's moving or inquiring about transferring theirs, we'll find out where are you moving. Let us help you find some different cemeteries, funeral homes in the area. And that way they'll know where to start. And then you can kind of go from there, go look at some of those different properties and see which one you like the best. And then we can start the transfer process really between the two facilities at that point. What have you done after the fact? After you pass away? Yeah. Why are you there? Because you don't know where your final residence or for your children. That's a great question. That I'll have to find out for you. On your, your little information card that we're going to do the door prize drawing, will you please note that for us? Let me find that out. I don't believe we can after, but let me find out if that, that might change from state to state too. Yes, the funeral costs would go wherever you would choose for those to go. That that's accepted, right? That is actually held basically in a trust. In most cases, it can be held in either a trust or an insurance type plan. There are two different types out there. When someone passes away, the funeral home that actually holds their services is who gets this, the service cost from that trust or from that insurance. So those funds are sitting there and generally waiting until the time is necessary to pay out the funeral home that's actually held the services. So that does transfer. With cemetery, I'll have to double check to see if that can be transferred at the time. My overall gut would be yes, it can happen at the time, but it might just take a little bit of time. But let us make sure, I don't want to tell you that it can happen prior to, we'll make sure to get back with you with the correct answer. And David, we'll make sure to email that to you too so you can carry that on to everybody else in the room. I apologize for not, I just, I don't want to tell you wrong. Last reason why everybody, uh, time and again they tell us, the peace of mind. We were so glad to have this taken care of. I can tell you're up front, you're proud. I can tell by the look on your face. It's just a very calming feeling to know that when that day comes, you've left your family ready to know what your wishes were, to have everything else in place, that they can start closing out what they need to with your life. The last little bit we're going to talk about real quick is how do you pre-plan. It's actually quite simple. Uh, not a lot that goes into it. It's really more a matter of getting yourself through that first step, kind of making yourself 
do it. Uh, gathering the information. And that's what you're doing tonight. You're starting that process. You're kind of opening the door to gathering some of the correct information. Tonight was a very high-level overview. So you all need a lot more detail. None of us in the room, if we all went into separate rooms and came out with our plans, I can imagine none of them are going to be the same. We're all very different people and have very different views on what we'd like. So that's where once you gather the correct information and, and the options, I think that's what most people don't know too is all of the different options that are out there. Then you get to decide exactly what you want. What do you want the, your casket to be? What would you like for your urn to be? What would you like your memorial stone to be? Maybe the cemetery that you've chosen has monuments, has the upright monuments, and you're able to have one of those, and you want to have that inscribed the way that you want that done. And then finally is when and how you'd like to pay for that. It's always a good idea to find out what are the costs right now. What, if we were to do this right now, what are we looking at? And then you can know, is this something we want to take care of now, or do we want to wait? What I can tell you is that it doubles about every 10 years. So for everybody that in the room, for the gentleman that told me he's got his spaces from 35 years ago, uh, quite an incredible investment. Um, so it, it, either way, it's a good education value. You'll probably surprise yourself um, once you do have it all written up and, and looking at the cost. It's typically a lot less than most people find it to be. To be. Last little bit I'm going to talk about is how uh, kind of a few things I have listed here. I have already touched base on, but one thing I see is that it is a protected asset. I know, has anybody in the room, just a quick show of hands, has anybody ever had to help a loved one or maybe yourself go on Medicaid or Medicare? Medicaid, yes? The reason why I ask that as we see a lot of times families are having to do a Medicaid spend down where they're having to spend down the assets. And I believe here in Nebraska is at 4,000. 4,000 is the limit. So that being most of the time life insurance policies, a lot of folks don't realize that. You might have been paying a premium month after month after month for a life insurance policy and and be forced to have to cash that in. Now, funeral plans are one thing that those, those monies can be used on because it is a protected asset. What that means is they do not look at a funeral plan or your cremation or your cemetery property as a cash asset. So they will not force your families to cash in those policies or use those towards your health care. But if you do have to use funds, that is one thing, that they give you a list of items that you can use those funds on. And it's good to know that, that, that once that's taken care of, they can't force your families to cash those in. There is an early death protection, too. In some plans that you look at, a lot of times um, the insurance policies that, that are written, there is an early death protection. So if that's something that you choose to do and you choose that type of plan, for some families, they may have started on a, on a five- or six-year plan to pay it off. And 
pass away suddenly, maybe after six or eight months or whatever the case may be, and that early death protection would, would come into effect and would not force the family to pay the remaining balance on those funeral plans. A couple other things I'm going to touch base on. One thing that I am going to touch base on that I'm not certain with other funeral homes and cemeteries. So uh, with this, you may just check if you do have it someplace else in mind. But at Westlawn, we have a grandchild and a child protection for all of our families that have their pre-plans through us. Uh, it's definitely not something that we like to see, but we do have it happen a few times a year throughout the community where somebody loses a child or a grandchild um, unexpectedly. And if they are not married and below the age from 1 to 21, they're, all, they're, they're covered under that protection. So that $5,000 towards services and $5,000 towards cemetery arrangements would be taken care of for them on their behalf. Um, and in most cases, that's plenty to take care of the children. So that's the one thing tonight that in talking about everything that we did, um, I know that is one thing we do for our families, but you might just check. I hope none of you ever need it, but um, that is one thing that we do. We did talk about it being transferable throughout a nationwide network. Now I'm going to kind of open it up for questions just real quick. Is there anything that I didn't touch base on that you might want a little more clarity or a little more detail? Yes, David. Absolutely. That's a great question. And one of the things that I recommend, too, is that as we all change in life, there are some parts of that that you may choose to actually write in pencil. Um, there's, there's one page specifically that all of us need for the death certificates, your vital statistics. Um, where was your mother born? Where was your father born? There's a lot of questions that our loved ones under such emotional circumstances have a very hard time answering on our behalf. Heck, we'd have a hard time answering it too. Um, but when we think about... Uh, the services themselves. Tell me again. Well, I, I, I didn't finish my thought. There would be an adjustment to cost based upon not necessarily, not in most cases. Uh, typically, a service, when every funeral home has what's called a general price list, and we have, it's basically an itemized cost sheet for absolutely every service that that funeral home does, every casket, every vault. Uh, by law, we do have to have that. And the good thing about that is, they will let you know. It will have to list that if there is a different charge for the service if it's going to be at the church. Now, I can tell you with us, with Westline, that is no difference to us whether or not it's held at the funeral home or off of the funeral home at a different, different location. In most cases, that cost does not play a factor. 
sometimes mileage. Sometimes you will see at a funeral home that over 25 miles or over 100 miles, there might be additional mileage cost. So if that's something that you're looking at, check into that. Make sure that they're including mileage cost, if there would be mileage cost to go to the cemetery. Um, so that might be an option. Thank you for pointing that out. Thank you very much. And something, too, is that not always were we able to, uh, I know that sometimes families have everything all taken care of. You'll hear somebody say, I've got it all taken care of. And there are a handful of items that we cannot at the funeral home actually freeze the cost on. So, I see the head shaking. Yeah, mom told me everything was taken care of, and then the funeral home gave me a $1,000 bill. Well, what that means is there, those, are, those are items we have no control over freezing the cost. The cost of the obituary, the cost of flowers, the cost of death certificates. That's a state charge from state to state. Um, so what you can do, families many times will choose to set monies aside in their pre-plans to take care of those. But if there is a difference in cost on that time, the difference can be taken care of. Now, the majority of it would already be taken care of, but there is a handful. So make sure when you do your pre-plans, you have that understanding that either these are some items that, yes, I've put monies aside to it, or make sure that your family understands these will be things that will have to be taken care of at the time. But there are just a few things that can't be taken care of. Yes? What is the average? A funeral and a burial. The average cost of a funeral, that's going to range. And what will make that change is merchandise. Ironically, the services themselves, as Dan had mentioned, there's not a lot of difference in cost from location of services and style of services. What will make that change so different is the merchandise, the style of casket that's picked out, the style of urn, the vault. Those are the things that will make the price fluctuate up and down. I would guess the average cost here in Nebraska, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, I would guess somewhere between six to 8000 for services. Is that about, about it? Yeah, right up. Per person. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. I spent a lot because uh, I bought on emotions. Mm. Okay. Bless your heart. She had to have a nice casket. She had to have the nice uh, uh, three crosses in the, on the back of the casket when it's open. And she had to have a pink with a, I mean, a pale pink with a stem and a dark pink rose on the top of her um, vault. Mm -hmm. And I spent $11,000 on my mom's funeral out of, strictly out of emotion because I wanted the best. So I, that's why I'm pre-planning this so that Bill 
whomever doesn't even have to give thoughts to all that stuff. <laughs> That's exactly, I could not have said it better myself. Um, my former husband, his father passed away the exact same way, and my mother-in-law literally spent $20,000 on his services. Bless her heart. Now, he actually passed away in Chicago, and we lived in Kansas City, so a lot of that was added additional transportation costs. So one thing that they have not always had available that is available now, it's, it's a policy, it's called Return Assured. It's a very, very inexpensive policy that you can have added on to your pre-plans. And what happens is 100 miles away from home, Let's say, for instance, you pass away, or you could be on the other side of the world, and it takes care of the cost of bringing you back into the care of your specified funeral home. So for that very minimal cost, I want to say it's right around $400, $395, to have that little bit added onto your funeral plan. So that was not always available. So if you ever travel, ever, outside of the Omaha area, I suggest adding that on to your pre-plans because you just never know. And she completely made decisions out of emotions and, and that extra transportation cost. Yes? Oh, absolutely. 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 Normally what we suggest is sit down. Take the time to sit down with Dan and go through all of your wishes. Have it written down. Find out exactly what those costs are. One thing you'll find out too, and I don't know about other funeral homes, but at Westlawn, we actually reward the families that have the foresight to pre-plan. We typically have pre-arrangement types of packages or discounts that are in place um, from month to month too. So um, a lot of times we would suggest that is, is do just a little shopping to find out what makes you happy. Walk through the funeral homes. Who, do, who feels good to you? You know, your gut tells you a lot about a place when you walk into it. Listen to it. Okay, great question, great question. Now, with cremation in mind, even if you are being placed into the ground, you do still have to have an urn vault. That is necessary to still have a vault. Now, if you're referring to the double space, are you referring to a lawn crypt where it's doubled, stack one on top of the other? Okay, so they're traditional side-by-side -side spaces. Now... You kind of asked me two questions in one there, so I'm going to explain what that means. Yes, you can still be placed side by side. You would need to have the urn vault. It's a much smaller vault, obviously. It's only about 13 to 14 inches square, and, and your urn is placed in there, and then that goes into the ground. Now, in most cemeteries, there's also something that we can do called a second rite of internment. And what that means is on a single space, you can also place a second person on top. 
Now, when you purchase property, I shouldn't be saying purchase. Let me rephrase that. You're actually getting the right. It's the right to be interred in that location. So you're not purchasing that space. But you can also, in most cemeteries, as long as it's zoned that way and there is enough room, you could place a second person on top of a single space um, calling and, and purchasing a second right of internment. So I hope that answered both of your questions. Yes. 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 Most cemeteries, depending on the cemetery, most cemeteries cannot purchase back property. What we can do is we could give you credit for that property. Correct. The cemetery space, whether it's a mausoleum, just in general. I'm sorry to hear that. Okay. Your um, funeral home is relatively new. I'm inclined to go anywhere. I'm sorry to hear that. I would love to visit with you afterwards, and why don't you tell me? I know. We've all had hard experiences with that. Okay. I appreciate that. I appreciate you sharing your 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 concern. But why don't we talk about the property? It's true. It's true. You have to make sure when you visit with who you visit with, number one, they're very educated and they explain it to you that they can answer your questions completely. How much time passes? Well, that was one of the things that we had talked about, is, is writing some of your plans down in pencil, because it could be changed along the way. If you choose to change it, nobody else can change it for you, but if you choose to change it. And I know you have some issues with some different things that you have. Absolutely. I don't know that that's the case. I have never had anybody tell me that before. So I do have some concerns with what you're talking about, but I would really rather not discuss it in a group setting. I don't think anybody else. Right. So why don't we discuss it at another time, and we'll make sure to make sure that what's going on with your your stuff. Yes, David. Mm-hmm. Is that such that when you would pre-plan it, uh, that there would be some, uh, I, I guess, some determination of what the future cost might be for what you're planning now, so that you'd be putting away money not just for the current prices, but how those might increase with inflation? Yeah, it. it it takes that, the advantage to it freezing the cost is that it grows a teeny tiny bit right along with time. So as that grows, that's the way that the funeral home is able to 
or I guess the trust company is the best way for me to describe that because funeral homes by law cannot hold financial pre-plans within their entity. That is actually held and monitored through the state. So that depending on which funeral home actually holds the services, that's who the trust company pays out or the insurance company pays. Yes? When, when my mom died, we, we went to help trying to get everything hmm. set. And that's, that's okay. We were waiting for her to die, and I was kind of with you. I'm sorry. But two weeks after my mother died, I went and prepaid for my father's funeral because I, and made all the arrangements because I didn't want to do that again. And five years later, when he died, the, the, nothing had changed. Yeah. So that's how slow. I just wanted you to know that. Yeah. No, you know, it, yeah. it was like $7,000, and none of those costs that they told me might go up had gone up in a five-year time period. So that's yeah. how slow. Yeah. That's my experience, too, yeah, is that, that, uh, that... It's not a huge thing, that the flowers were the same, the obit was the same, you know, the things that... Don't change, of course. You know, right. The cost of your casket and, and the services. Ahead of time, you paid for it. It's done. But those changeables didn't change in five years' time. So absolutely, I had no bill at the end, and so I was so glad I had done that. And I think probably emotionally it was a little bit, oh, you were so able better. to mm-hmm. yeah. to enjoy your loved ones yeah. and be together with your family, yeah. spend yeah. more time. Better, so. And uh, anyway, so I just wanted to know that that's a huge. And I know I've gone a lot longer than anticipated tonight. I'm very sorry for eating into your time. One more question? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Let, yes. Yes. Your bride sitting next to you is shaking her head. So, let me. Re- Legally, I. Th- <laughs> Legally, it will change from state to state. So you will need to find that out whether or not you can cross state lines. Some state lines, yes. Some state lines, no. Um, I think that there are definitely different avenues to be involved. When someone passes away in one city and they're going to a different city for services, you're on vacation. Two different funeral homes will actually have to be involved. The city in which you passed away, they'll have to take you into their care, um, prepare you. Basically, it's a trade call between the two funeral homes, so they will make sure to have the transportation and the necessary paperwork with the funeral home, your home choice. Um, the, The death certificate has to be taken care of in the state in which you pass away. So that's why that funeral home also has to be involved is to file those things. So um, given by the look on her face, she expects you to do a little better than throwing her in the back of the pickup truck. (laughs) I would suggest the return assured for you. It's a little cheaper. You'd probably get the gas mileage wouldn't be very good either. So (laughs) I've read these stories where you hear of somebody 
an eye on this one over here. I will say you have raised a lot of interesting questions and humor too. So thank you. So Good. did you have one more question? Is the same true overseas? If someone dies overseas, yes. they have to have their Absolutely. Absolutely. If you are planning overseas, please get the return assured. Please do that. It is excruciating getting a loved one back from overseas. I worked with two separate families, one from Africa, bless his heart. A gentleman um, was there with his family on vacation, his children and their grandchildren and on the beach and, and had a heart attack. And it took us three weeks to get him back into our care. And uh, so, yes, they will have to be involved in, in bringing you back here. Yes. Great question. It's actually on the rise here in the Midwest. It does vary from the sides kind of moving in, but uh, about seven years ago when I originally started, it was around 23 to 24% here in the Midwest, and now we're about 35 to 38% of families are choosing cremation. Uh, a lot of families look at having a what would be considered a traditional service uh, where their families are able to come and have a true visitation and service and having the cremation following that. Some families choose the cremation without a... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There are a lot of options with cremation. So I would suggest take some time, get visit with your wife, the two of you sit down, get all of the information. That way you can make a better educated understanding of what she has in mind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. If there would, yes, because there would be an, a, a viewing. Now, you do not have to be embalmed. That's a question we get a lot. Do you, is it a law? Do I have to be embalmed? No, by law, you do not have to be embalmed. But if you are having a public viewing, you have to be embalmed because of health issues in, in a surrounding that. So most people that are choosing to have a service are also choosing to have their casket open, hence needing to do the embalming in most situations. Yes, there is a charge for for, dress, for the embalming process. It is a separate charge. It's separated and itemized out because not all families choose to do that. Well, did you 
I'm going to shut this up. <laughs> yes, it can go. I know. It's I, a, I think Dan is going to stay for a minute, isn't absolutely. he? Absolutely. Dan so is going to stay. If you questions, we'll, we'll take a little stretch break. I think Dan is available, too, but I need to let this lady drive Thank back you. to Kansas Thank City Thank you very tonight, much. So. Thank you very okay, much. Thank you I very appreciate much. that. Thank you. And Dan is very, very knowledgeable. He's been here working um, in the community, working with families for many, many years. So I know he can answer all of the same things, too. Okay. Thanks. Good.